Hello and welcome into the Michael Like Stuff podcast. I am so, so thankful that you're choosing to spend your time with me today. Uh, it means the world uh, because I do this for fun and you listen to this for fun. So in a way, it's like we're having fun together. So thank you for having fun with me today. Um, tonight, I had one of my friends, Mr. Devin Clark, on the podcast to talk about episodes three and four of The Last Dance. And uh, I think it's going to be well worth your time. Um, this MJ doc has been exactly what I think a lot of people needed um, during this time of social distancing, when things are not normal, when we're missing out on stuff. And it's just been an absolute um, blast. So um, I'm really excited that you are listening, and I think you will have a blast with me and Devin. So uh, I'll just, with no further ado, hop on into it. Thanks. All right, everybody. I am here with my guest from the most downloaded episode of the Michael Like Stuff podcast and the Joe House to my Bill Simmons, my dear friend, Devin Clark. What's up, Devin? What's up, Michael? I'm so honored to be called your Joe House. Maybe someday I can be as cool as him, but for now, I'm just so overjoyed to be back on the pod and to talk about The Last Dance. These last two episodes were so good. Yeah. Uh, we just got done watching episode episodes three and four of the Last Dance podcast. This is the second week it was out. Um, I did not rewatch one and two this week, um, but I did catch three and four. Uh, excellent. Excellent. I had to, uh, I canceled plans with my girlfriend to catch this episode. Me too. Um, <laughs> I, I, I bailed on my parents. Like I, it's full. <laughs> I was like, I cannot hang out with you anymore. I have to watch TV. Yeah. Normally, which, uh, uh, Sunday nights are my watch Westworld nights with Caroline and we will probably watch it after this <laughs> to be completely yeah. honest. Cause like, who knows what time it is these days. I'm just going to watch it, go to bed eventually. I'll wake up. It's fine. So, yeah. but I was like, I got a pod with Michael tonight. So I'm glad yeah. to make the space for it. Dope. Dope. Well, we're glad that uh, you are here. How are you holding up with uh, the life? I feel like I haven't talked to you a ton recently. Yeah, man. Things are good. Um, I'm staying really busy with work and um, I'm working on a lot of videos and online content for our church that I work for. So um, just, you know, every day is a new challenge, which is a lot of fun, but uh, it, it keeps things fresh when things everywhere else do not feel fresh right now. Everything else feels stale when you're staying at home all the time. So uh, at least there's something a little bit different for me to do. But other than that, no, man, things are things are good. How about yourself? Um, I'm, I'm actually doing okay. I'm to the point where like, I've in a rhythm with it. Yeah. Um, I could pretty much roll like this for a while. I don't want to. No. Uh, but if necessary, <laughs> I can't. I'm past the, uh, like, I got to a point where it was like, I literally can't do this anymore. Right. Like, if this goes on much longer, I'm just going to go out, contract the virus just so that I can, like, be out and I don't even care anymore. And I'm past that now. Yeah. We all had that moment, I think. Or if we haven't, we will. But. Yeah, I, I probably had like one evening about two weeks ago where I was like, this sucks. And not that I haven't felt that otherwise, but like 
I had one evening where I was like, man, this I'm really tired of this. And then, you know, I've come to accept it. That was my denial phase of, of the grief cycle. But now I'm, I'm working towards acceptance. So, you know, just just healthy processes. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Um, so without any further ado, let's just hop in. Um, the first episode tonight was heavy Dennis Rodman stuff. Yes. Um, and I, I mean, like... Like I think I talked about on the podcast last week with the other guys. Um, there, you know, I have heard stories about this, and like I feel like I had a understanding of the Bulls, uh, but the the individual deep dives has really been intriguing to me. Yeah, and I feel like Rodman, like that dude, was a much better basketball player than I think I understood. I think that's a great way to put it. I think our generation had no idea. We like you kind of mentioned this last week, but there was just this constant um, attention put on Rodman's persona, just kind of who he was in the media, all the things with North Korea. And, you know, everyone knew he was a, a, a pretty good NBA player from, from our generation, at least obviously generations past knew it a lot better, but I feel like, you know, we just missed this. I was born in 94. And so I, I was alive for the last three championships, but I certainly was not aware of them by any means. And so it's kind of fun to kind of go back and learn these things as time passes. But yeah, Rodman was like, yeah, he was a good NBA player, but no, he was, he was bad. Like he was, he knew what he was doing on the defensive end, on the boards, and just the little clips I got to see tonight. It was just fun to watch. It was so yeah. good. Yeah, um, it looks like uh, statistically he led the NBA in rebounds seven seasons in a row, uh, starting in ninety one, ninety two, and all the way through ninety seven, ninety eight. So, I think people call that good. Yeah, I mean that's. <laughs> That's Hall of Fame level good. I don't I don't know for a fact if he's in the Hall of Fame, but I feel like if you carry a stat like that for seven straight seasons, that's definitely worthy. The worthy research department is on it. We'll check here. Okay. Yeah. Um and I one thing that I thought was really interesting was um just like there's no dudes out there today that are doing Dennis Rodman stuff. Um I think like Maybe a guy like Patrick Beverly, you're like, okay, yeah, like, like, uh, it look, um, oh, Gary Payton's quote about how they called him the, the F up, the F up person. Yes. <laughs> uh, he just Fs everything up and, um, he just like messes everything that they're doing up. Yeah. I feel like Patrick Beverly tries to be that guy, but it's not to the same like level of crazy. I don't think that Dennis Rodman looked like he was. That's a out, good point. That's a good point. I, you know, Pat Bev is a good equivalent. I was going to ask the question, who's the closest equivalent? Real quick aside, by the way, 2011, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, just so everyone is aware. Um, I, I was like, in, in terms of kind of defense, um, does it all, um, just like a hard-headed player, I, I immediately thought of Draymond Green. Um, but... Draymond d- does things in a, in a different, not in a different way in terms of his demeanor. I think they both carry a very similar persona on the court. Like they, they really want to be this hard nosed player who gets down to the nitty gritty and isn't afraid to fight and, and, and battle for every second on the court. But Draymond is also a little bit, it seems, I, you know, I haven't watched a lot of film on, on Rodman, obviously, like we've been saying, but it seems like 
Draymond's got a little bit more well-rounded play. Maybe not as good of a scorer, maybe, as Rodman was. But Rodman, obviously, you saw the stat where he had like seven games of 20 rebounds, zero points. I don't think Draymond's ever done that. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to see like this guy who I would, the only person that my mind went to was, was Draymond. Is there anyone else that you can think of? Like maybe in terms Um, of play style, like big, like boards guy, but also kind of a little bit gritty. I think uh, attitude wise, uh, the guy that comes to mind is Tony Allen. Okay, great grind. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, first team all defense. Yep, Tony Allen. Yep, and um, obviously different positions there. Um, when I think of like the meanest looking guys that I I can remember <laughs> of late, I think about uh, David West. Yeah, he dude, that dude, like he he was scary. He was terrifying. He was thick. <laughs> that dude was so thick. Yeah, that's very um, true. But as far as like like a 6869 dude who's just like all muscle like when Robin took his shirt off in the tunnel in the dock tonight like yes. he he like took his jersey off going out just gave that jersey to some fan. Love like, that. So you cool. Could sell, you could sell that on eBay right now for thousands of dollars. Oh yeah, easily. And like um, but dude takes his shirt off and he is just like ripped out of his mind. Ripped, um, but also something that I was noticing and, and Caroline actually, my wife was watching with me tonight too. You know, the body build was different back then. It, it feels like, you know, there were a lot of like, you know, really muscular, tough built guys in the NBA, it seemed. And you know, I'm thinking especially them. Talk, I mean, obviously they talked a lot about the Pistons and Bulls matchups in, in tonight's episodes, but they, they were also just kind of generally a little bit thinner, like skinnier. And so he was, he was ripped, but he wasn't big. Like some guys in the NBA are today. Yeah. yeah I was I mean, kind of surprised by that. Like when I really started to think about it, it seemed like, Guys are a little bit smaller now than they were about like 10, 15 years ago, but they are definitely still bigger now than they were. Like even um, like MJ was two fifteen. Right. I mean I that's, that's that was when he got big. He weighed two fifteen. Right. Which like I was weighing two fifteen like a year. I was weighing more than two fifteen a year ago, and he was right. six five. Like right. obviously different kind of weight, but still like <laughs> I mean like it. LeBron, how much do you think LeBron weighs? Like 270? I think he's in the 245, 250 range easily. Yeah, probably in his Miami days, he was around 270. Yeah, he's, he's so big. Oh, my like, gosh. Zion has to weigh 300. <laughs> I don't like, want to say it because I think it's too true. I think he yep. could easily be 250, like 295 almost on 300. He's so thick. He's the definition of thick, though, and we all know that. Yeah. Uh, like Jokic, he yeah. has to weigh. Oh, that's like true. Pounds. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, but just like the stuff that Rodman was doing, um, he wasn't just like. I mean, he was like do the dirty work guy, but he wasn't like Udonis Haslam, do the dirty work guy. He's like do the dirty work guy who's like. But he's actually should, good. <laughs> should be an all star. Yeah, you know. Right. Um, just really 
Really great stuff. Any thoughts? Any more thoughts about Rodman? His the tip rebounding, just like the the clips of him, just like battling as an undersized, you know, shorter forward. But just like the amount of times he just like would touch the ball before gaining possession, you know, that's how I look when I try to rebound and pick up basketball, but I'm unsuccessful. He just looked like that was his thing. He just he just was relentless going after the ball, and so it was really really fun to just watch that. Um, that style of play, um, because you don't really see that now. I mean, you got so many seven footers, and they're pretty. There's pretty much always one on the court at all times, unless you're the um, early 2020s Rockets. But it's it's just a weird, a weird thing that you don't see anymore is is smaller guys rebounding because you've always got a seven footer on on the floor. Um, but yeah, that was awesome to watch. Also with with Rodman, um. The the antidote that, that really got me was uh, after his Vegas vacation, which we can dive into if you want, but when he comes back from it and they're talking about the, I think they called it the Indian drill, where they would like all run laps and then whoever's in first, the last guy has to like lap him or, or come up you know in front of him um, for them to stop or whatever. And he would get it in front and he th- then Jordan said it took the team four loops to catch up to <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was just a different beast like just a completely different animal uh, it was so cool yeah i mean let's uh well one thing in when i was playing football in high school we had to do indian runs which i'm sure you're not supposed to call them that anymore absolutely not yep <laughs> just for the record that's what uh, that's what our coaches called them in high school yeah those things suck those were horrible we would do them on the track and if you were like actually good, you had to like some of the guys had to carry like weights from the weight room around while they did them. Jeez, just really trash stuff to do in the middle of June uh, <laughs> on a on a track. But um, yeah, let's get into that Vegas thing because that was about the crazy. Like that was absolutely bizarre. Um, like I think now it's probably like if. If somebody comes to LeBron on his team and he's like, "Hey man, I really need a vacation." <laughs> I think LeBron like LeBron is probably like, "Oh yeah, man, you got to take care of yourself like take a couple days." But he's thinking like, "Dude, go like out on a boat in the ocean or like go play golf or something." Right. Not like go on a 2-day like binger in Vegas. <laughs> I think it was more than that. I think it was like 3 or 4. Oh yeah, I mean it ended up being that. Um and that, that that was a question I wrote down for you too. I was I was wondering what you would say to this. How, how often does this happen in today's NBA? Do do you think it happens at all? And if if so, how often? Um, and maybe maybe to tie it in, and it might be helpful to answer it. If it does happen, who who is it that is going on these these vacations? <laughs> I think it's like you have to be a certain level caliber player for anyone to even like be like agree right that you should do it like Avery Bradley's not not getting this treatment no you you have to be like top three guy um the only like top NBA player I can think would do something like this would be like James Harden and he'd probably be in like a strip club right for like four days straight um dude you know who it is I just thought of this Kawhi Leonard it's gonna be Kawhi because he's the one who's like kind of was being sketchy about being, you know, 
taking you know absence from his when when he was trying to get away from the Spurs. I'm trying I'm trying to remember the whole saga with all this, but like he didn't want to play all these things. I could totally see it being Kawhi because he's kind of weird like Rodman is. You know, not obviously not in the same way, but he's he's just a little off kilter. He's got his own personality that's kind of hard to read, and that's very much who Rodman at least is now and it seemed like he was then. I could totally see Kawhi being like, "Nah, man, I'm getting out of here just for like a week." And 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 it's just like personal reasons on the why he's not like with the team, but no one knows exactly where he is except the team knows exactly where he is. Yeah, I think <laughs> one thing about it is like I think there's some players and some teams that might agree to this. I still think it's much harder to pull off because of social media. That's true. Like Absolutely true. In these days like I'm guessing like TMZ is probably the only people that's going to like care or catch Rodman in something and and break the news. So if he can avoid something like that, he's probably fine. But like now well, like Everybody in the club has a cell phone and is going to be like Dennis Rodman's at this club. Right. But that's the weird thing is it seemed like, well, you know, we're obviously getting this as special footage. And so, but who did, did Jordan authorize or who authorized like part of this camera crew that's following the Bulls to go with Rodman to Vegas? Because they had like good footage from it. It wasn't just some random like... You know, maybe they bought the footage off of someone like TMZ at the time or whatever, but like it, it seemed like intentionally filmed. So that was interesting to me. So I wonder if it really was so secretive that like he was on a vacation or if people kind of knew they were like, yeah, Rodman's just kind of doing his thing. I don't yeah. know. I, 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 there's more behind that story that I'm still kind of curious about. And I'm sure there's some articles out there that I could go read. So I'll let you know if I find anything out. <laughs> That's one thing like I always think about when I'm watching the office and they like go with like Jim to Philadelphia on like a dumb, like has nothing to do with the work. I'm like, right. Okay. Like I get it. It's a TV show, but still like the documentary crew is not going there. No. So yeah, it was good footage. Like I want to know if that was like their guys or what. Right. Um, because, uh, like, this is something that like, I don't think dudes do because it's in their contract not to do it. And it might've been in his contract. Not, he, he's shown like getting on that motorcycle. Right. Which like is a huge no, no now. Yeah. Um, just like ever since like the Jay Williams thing mm-hmm. or like the Ben Roethlisberger thing, like athletes just aren't supposed to be getting on motorcycles anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, that seemed very intentional. There was something about that. That was like, we're getting this clip. And you're right, it was a different time, but yeah, it was like the the camera guy was right there and Rodman wasn't shrugging him off. Like, hey man, get out of here. He was kinda he's kinda playing it up for the camera. So but that's also kinda who he was, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, here's one question I have for you, moving away from Rodman for a second, is how how easy of a time are you having sticking with the timeline of this documentary? Uh, uh it's a challenge. They're doing a decent job of like at least showing a graphic that's like moving from ninety three yeah. to ninety eight or whatever. But I'll still say like it's the way that they're setting it up has not been the easiest to follow. I feel like especially people like you and me can probably figure it out because we're like, okay, I know there was a time when Michael Jordan hadn't won an NBA Finals, right? 
And then I knew he had a three-peat from 91 to 93 right. and a three-peat from 96 to 98. So I can figure out what time they, they are in, like, the context. But I'm thinking for, like, a general, like, oh, like, I like basketball person that's watching these documentaries because there's nothing else on. Like, I'm wondering how hard of a time they're having really following what's going on here. I mean, I'm having a hard time, and it's really just because sometimes I'm getting so caught up in the storylines and I'm learning a lot of this information for the first time that I'm trying to just kind of piece together, even though I remember them kind of coming back, you know, from the 97, 98 moment to the 91 or wherever they were. I remember seeing that, that span, but then I think, you know, once they kind of get deep into a story that they're talking about in 91 time, I'm like, Wait, okay, so is this, are they still talking about Phil Jackson in this light? Or are they still talking about, you know, this person on this personnel from the team in this light? So, yeah, no, there's definitely a little bit of confusions, maybe the right word. But, I mean, it's just because there's just so much content, which is great, you know. Um, And I'm learning it and and soaking it in for the first time. So I'm just trying to kind of be in the moment. But then I'm like, wait, where are we? So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and just like general documentary stuff, tying in with last week. Last week, I felt like they were really hard on Jerry Krause. Right. And I felt like this week, the two episodes, until the last like 15 minutes of the fourth episode, really were a lot like more sympathetic towards him. Like they had interviews that they had from him from that I guess were on like ESPN or something in yeah. 2003. Right. Um, which was cool to have. And then like the video of him, like on the team plane dancing, which one of the cool, I love the team plane scenes. Yes. So good. When MJ is sitting on the plane with that dude playing cards and he's like, this dude was, this dude was out all the time. This man doesn't sleep. And he was like, he was getting exposed and he did not like it. He's like, bro, like cut it out. It was like so awkward. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of those that's like, man, if this is one year later, he's probably like, I told y'all not to put that in. And now he's probably like, yep. Right. <laughs> you know, like 20 years later, he's like, bro, I don't care. Yeah. He's like, my parents are probably not even watching this or like deceased. <laughs> yeah, so honestly. What does it yeah. matter? Also, yeah. sorry, I've got a train that like comes by our apartment here sometimes and it's blowing its horn right now so you might be able to hear that also my dog walked by and shook and her collar shook so you may get a little bit of little bonus bonus sounds here um so here's here's a a couple other thoughts that i was having just kind of randomly um and then i want to talk about phil jackson um but just kind of randomly the bulls black jerseys so So cold freaking clean so cold they look so good like i loved those jerseys as a kid um and that that's kind of another thing i wanted to ask you too is like you kind of hit on this last uh last week on the pod but like when and how i'm more more concerned about like how um did you kind of start to like as a kid like realize that michael jordan was michael jordan Like, because by the time we started kind of becoming aware of sports, he was known as like, he was the greatest. Like, uh, he had just kind of finished his big runs. He had his, 
kind of weird times playing baseball and then with the wizards and whatever. But like, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like how was it brought to your attention or like, at what point were you like, Whoa, like, yeah, that there's just no question at this point that like Michael Jordan is the best. That's a good question. Um, so when my parents decided that they were going to name me Michael, my older brother, Jonathan, who's four years older than me at the time, says to my parents, you can't name him Michael. There's already a Michael. It's Michael Jordan. So, Dang. Like, so I mean, he was, <laughs> he was four in 1994. <laughs> so like there's a four-year-old being like, no, no one else, like retire this name. <laughs> retire the name Michael. <laughs> Just done. <laughs> um, I love that. Which Michael was the most popular baby name in 1994. Okay. So maybe maybe Michael Jordan had something to do with that. I don't know. Um, I would not be but, shocked. Uh, yeah, I probably I think I was aware. Probably I was probably aware in '98 of who Michael Jordan was. Yeah. I have no memory of watching a Michael Jordan basketball basketball game with the Bulls. Right. Um, that's not anything that I remember. I just remember, like you were saying, like there was no question in anyone's mind in like 2000, 2001, when I was starting to understand what a sports was and that some people were good at it and better than others. There was no question in anyone's mind that Michael Jordan was the best. Um, and truly, I think the only reason anyone now and I don't really care to get into the LeBron versus Jordan debate on this podcast. This isn't first take, dude. I I turned on I turned on. I, I think I think Drew had first take on actually earlier this week. I don't really I don't watch it. Drew doesn't really watch it either. But for whatever reason, it was it was on. on. Yeah, because we're working from home. Like sometimes the TV gets turned on, and um, they were having the Michael Jordan LeBron debate, and I'm like, like I. <laughs> See, I have like I'm a LeBron guy. And right. I'm just like, do we have to have this conversation right now? I love LeBron. I don't like but like the guys that like like Bill Simmons, who generally I accept what he says as gospel truth when it comes to sports. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> like he's he's my like you know, like I'm like, I don't know, like I like the way this guy talks. I could listen to him talk about sports forever. Like whatever he says, I'm just going to agree with. Right. Like he would say like, there is never like LeBron is never going to pass Michael Jordan and it shouldn't even be a debate. Right. And like, that was just the understanding when I was growing up was like, Michael Jordan was the best basketball player of all time. And maybe the best athlete ever. And it wasn't really a debate. There was no like Kobe truthers. Right. Like there was no, like, I mean, I guess like we were in middle school, high school in the Kobe heyday. Right. And there was nobody, I guess there was people that would start to make it, but like Kobe was so clearly a like Kroger brand version of MJ, which a Kroger brand version of MJ is still one of the best players of all time. Absolutely. That's not not a knock on Kobe, but to say even that he was in the remote ballpark of Michael Jordan was a farce and everyone right. knew it. Right. Cause even and, at that uh, point, LeBron was rising to power and everyone was like, yeah, this guy's still going to be better than that. And even that was still kind of a debate, you know? So yeah. 
And I really think that part of the reason it's a discussion between MJ and LeBron, this is what I was trying to say before I got completely, I went way too over the top with it. I think that part of the reason it's even a conversation now is because since LeBron was in high school, people have said, maybe, is this guy the next Jordan? Is Uh this guy going to be in that, on that level in that conversation or close to the best basketball player of all time? And I think sometimes our expectations mold what we think, even if like, yes, LeBron faces more criticism because he's not living up to that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I feel like the only reason he's put in that conversation has to do with a lot of hype. Right. Yeah. You know, like I think about like, I think about it like this, like if, if, and I'll just bring it into, this is a context like me and you understand. So I'll talk about it in this way, not to equivalent what we mean you do with Michael Jordan or a basketball player. But if uh, Harpeth Hills has me come and talk uh, at their church and everyone is like, this guy is, uh, is like the next, uh, I don't know, like Dave Clayton or something. <laughs> this, is, this is super niche. This, this is, is super incredibly niche, niche and I love it. Okay. <laughs> if, if ever, like if for, if for two years at Harpeth Hills, everyone's like, there's this guy over in Hermitage, and he's the next Dave Clayton. And then I come over to Harpeth Hills, and I preach one Sunday. And I do pretty good. Pretty good. Like, I, 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 <laughs> I get all of my potential out on the table. I give it everything I've got. Like, I, I have reached, you know, the Holy Spirit, all that stuff that we talked about. And I... <laughs> I re- I am at my max potential for what I could have done. Yeah. I still think people would be like, oh, yeah, that dude and Dave Clayton are on the same level. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because they were told that I was, not because, like, we should be having a conversation. Yeah, there was no, like, honest, there was no honest and, like, unsupervised, like, experience the first time. It was always informed by something else. And in this case, in Michael Jordan's case, and in LeBron's case, it was like there's an immediate comparison. So, yeah, no, there's definitely some truth to that. But at the same time, to give LeBron all his credit, he's he's done a lot in his career and and is obviously incredible. So I'm not I'm not going to make a claim LeBron or Jordan tonight on this pod. If you want to talk to me about it, you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or text me or call me if you have your if you have my number, but that's that's not what this is about, you know. But yeah. I, I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's not a knock on LeBron to no. say he's one of the best NBA basketball players of all time. It's really not. Like, not a knock you, on anyone to say that. <laughs> if you think that if you think that that is a knock, like I, I, I there's no basis for me to have a conversation with you. That's like, right. You are so far out of bounds. Yep that I cannot even have a conversation with you about that. Okay. So in the 98 season, um, the team chemistry was so out of whack. It was very out of whack. So here, let let me, let me give a little like segue out of the Rodman conversation and into this conversation. I did not see Pippen coming back being an issue with uh with rodman 
Like, I was surprised to see that that was the case. That was part of the storyline. How Rodman kind of felt like, oh, I'm not as valuable with with Pippen here. It, you know, because Rodman always seemed like, you know, I wouldn't call him selfless. You know, he clearly had the urges to go on his vacation, go do his thing. But But when it came to basketball, it seemed like he was ready to just, like, do what needed to get done to win because he carried that over from the Pistons and what they had kind of, you know, instilled in him and his mentality. But with Pippen coming back, he, he, he seemed threatened and that was kind of what sent him off on his Vegas escapades and whatnot. But that was interesting to me. And, and then to what your point was their Yeah. Their chemistry was completely messed up and it was, it seemed like it was centered around, Pippen clearly having issues with contract and then Rodman just with his personality and then MJ just being the biggest drive, you know, competitor that you've ever seen. You put those three guys together, you're going to get some, some weird drama for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what I would like in that situation to like, I'm going to try, I'm imagining like the 2012, 2013 Miami heat, uh, or let's say the 2014 Miami Heat because things are moving towards the end. Right. And uh, so the 98 season for the Bulls like didn't start great. I think as they said they started eight and seven. Yeah. But by the time Pippen came back, they were in first place in the East, and they were there without Pippen. And so it w- it would be like if uh, Wade like misses like D Wade missed the first four months of the season, and the Heat are in first place in the East. If I'm Bosch, I'm thinking, man, like this is awesome. Like I'm the number two guy on this NBA Finals contending team, right? Which no one would have thought I could be for the last three years, yeah. Because I've been playing, I've been the third guy on this team, mm-hmm. and I think, like, in that sense, I think that there is something in you that even like you're like, if we can win anyways, I want to be the number two guy, not the number three, yeah. I think it's a different story if they're in fourth place in the Eastern Conference when Pippen comes back. Right. Yeah, but that's I a good think, point. I think the fact that them being in first place, it's like... I've got some ownership man, here. Like, like yeah. yeah. Like, this is going to be viewed as, like, me and Michael's championship, not Michael and Scotty's championship. Mm. You know? That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, I think about, like... Um, like, I, I, I want a documentary to come out in 2040 that is about how clay thompson was so happy when kd went down yes i want that like next week man like come on (laughs) like i want them to win a champion i don't want them to win a championship next year but if they do i want them to come out with a documentary that's just clay thompson being like yeah dude i was glad kd was gone we didn't need that guy right like i'm the second best player on an nba finals champion team and i was before he got here and i'm still that guy man I'm I'm all here for that because Clay is also just really wild and he seems so agreeable and cool, but then he's also really he, he's kind of he's kind of in that headspace too, like Rodman or Kawhi. Just like I don't I don't fully get this guy. He's not quite to their level, but you know he's got he's got the the weird sides to him, the, as the ringer calls them, Claytheisms. He's just he's got these like just strange ways that are really fun to watch. And so I agree with you. I would love for some heat to come from him. Um, speaking of heat, quick aside, a little bit of heat coming from Rodman on Nashville in this episode. Did you catch that? <laughs> hey, 
1998 Nashville was not not the city that we enjoy now. No, you're right about that. And I'm not a, I'm not a native Nashvilleian. Do not even pretend to be. But that I thought that was so funny how that made its way into the dock. It was yeah, like, ooh, I, yikes, man, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough to yeah, hear. I mean, an NBA play to an NBA basketball player, 1998 Nashville was like. You there's we had no pro, like the Nashville Sounds were the only professional sports team in Nashville. Yeah. Um, the only thing to do was go to honky tonks, right? Like actual honky tonks, not like FGL House or like Old Red or whatever. Whatever's down there these Broadway days, now. yeah. I don't. I'm not, I went down there during the daytime a few months ago. That's all <laughs> I can say. My cousin was in town, but um, yeah, I. I noticed that too. I thought that was pretty funny. That was so good. That was Which, so good. Like, uh, I mean, like, can't blame him. I really can't. I no. cannot blame him for that. No. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to get into was uh, all the beer and cigars. Yeah. These, like, how many NBA finals can these guys win if they were on the LeBron James, like, like drink a glass of red wine every day, maybe three, but also just at like least three. But yeah, go ahead. Eating, <laughs> eating clean, working out, hyperbaric chamber, like full bore. Like, I really want to know if if that works. But I really do think the only way that these guys could go was like work really, really hard, party really, really hard. That I feel like that was actually ended up being better for their team chemistry. Right. The fact that they could like blow off steam together and their version of fun wasn't just like chilling in the in the ice ice bath together or whatever. Yeah. I, no, that's a good point. It, it was a different time and you know, I, I, I've heard reporters and stories on YouTube and people talking about like how they would used to smoke cigars and cigarettes like literally like on the bench during the game <laughs> like way back in i don't know it was probably in the 50s 60s uh, maybe before that maybe after that but you know like clearly they were kind of phasing out of that but they were still like hey i'm gonna go have a cigar i'm gonna drink a beer i, I mean i'm sure that there are plenty of nba players who still drink beer but but it's definitely not the elite guys. Like it's you know LeBron, I'm sure has not had a beer in a while. I'm, I I can't say I'm sure. That's that's an absurd statement for me to make. But you know what I mean. Like you know he obviously is clearly on the wine train, but he's also clearly about his body and has to be at this point in his career. And so I'd be shocked to hear that he has beer ever. You know I'd be shocked to hear that about a lot of guys. Um, not be would not be shocked to hear that about Jokic, as you said. Um, that's the guy I was gonna say. <laughs> that's the, that's the like, one you know, guy. Jokic enjoys a few like craft Belgians. Yeah. <laughs> oh week. man, course banquet. I mean, he's out there in Colorado, so he he's enjoying the spoils. But um, no, yeah, it's it is so interesting to watch that. But but at, at the same time, some really really hard-hitting athleticism like one of the things i had written down was like you know this is this is um this is jordan uh you know which is a completely different conversation from anyone else but like his just the clips of his athleticism in in these like moments and game clips here i mean he's just on another planet from these guys like pippen 
crazy athletic. Pippen was my favorite guy when I started to learn who bas- like learn about the Bulls and what basketball was back in the day. But like I see clips of Jordan now and my gosh, he is just unreal. Like the movement in the air, the layups that he was making, like he was crazy and like he I'm sure was not drinking a lot or smoking a lot, but he, I mean he loves cigars now and I'm sure he did back then in some regard. So like he was not com- completely the healthiest guy. I'm sure he was not on the diet plan that everyone's on these days. But like there were some still crazy good a- athletic moves and plays that they got that these guys were making back then. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a Jordan has a different like the guys that we see today, the athletes that we see that that get on House of Highlights are like these Zion guys, like prime LeBron, prime Blake Griffin, that are huge and can jump and are strong and can throw it through the basket on their dunks. Right. And that's what we want to see, like Russell Westbrook type athleticism. Jordan had this like balance that these guys today just like I don't I've never seen a single player that can spin and float through the air with the type of balance and and all that stuff that 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 Jordan did. Yeah. It's been so cool to just see these clips and I've seen a little bit of it, you know, I've watched some old games on NBA TV and I've watched some YouTube highlights and whatnot of Jordan, but like just every time I'm blown away. Like every time he's taking a hit in the lane and finishing still or you know, just watching him get to the elbow and the floaters that he made. Like, th- this is another thing I had written down that I had to share. His mid-range game makes me so loathe the current NBA. Like, I love the current NBA. I love the threes and the athleticism to get into the paint and, you know, all that. I'm not a huge fan of Rockets basketball. Like, I don't love just the complete three and uh, threes and... And, and layups and dunks, you know, I'm a Celtics fan at heart. I, I love the mid-range that Larry Bird always had. I love the mid-range that you still get from Jason Tatum as much as I hate it. But, like, watching Jordan, I was like, I want to see guys shoot from the elbow, take just, like, these crazy mid-range shots because he was so good at it. It was so poetic and just, ah, oh, it was just different. Like, it was so good. Yeah, I think that like people, the analytics guys hate the mid-range jumper, but I really like there's a couple guys in the NBA now that when I think of like Jordan's mid-range game, I'm like these two guys are not that far off. Sure. And it's Kawhi Leonard. Uh-huh. Because he gets he can he has the whole like turnaround thing down. Right. Like find a way to the elbow and then jump up at a point where no one can can contest and knock it in. Is the and other Kevin guy mellow? Durant. Oh. Kevin Durant is the <laughs> other guy I was thinking about. <laughs> of course, KD's seven feet tall. Yeah. So it's not. It's really a different ball game. It's more of a Dirk thing, except more athletic. Yeah. With KD. Oh my goodness! Yeah. No, that's very true. KD can hit from anywhere. I, I couldn't decide if I was going to make a joke about Mello or CP3, but Mello just felt right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Well, it's just like the spacing in these games. Like when they're showing Paxson spotting up in the 91 finals, the dude, like he's he's shooting the corner three, but up at the top of the key, he's between the, the he's more like the college three-point line than right. the NBA three-point line. Right. Which I'm like, bro, if you back that up one foot, you are 
getting an extra point. So yep. what are you doing spotting up right there? Like that doesn't make sense, but the game I has mean, changed. It's a different game. I really think I also don't know the fact that Jordan was able to score like that without them being like, we have to surround him with shooters. Yeah. If you have a guy like Jordan now who is a beast inside the three point line, you're going to put four shooters around him. One of which is a good rebounder. Yep. That's what you're going to do now. And it's like, no, we got Jordan's probably the second best three point shooter on our team. And he's not very good right. at it, which like, I'm sure these days Jordan would have figured it out and be one of the best three point totally. shooters. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the, on kind of on that line, the Jordan rules that the Pistons had to keep him out of the air, like, and basically just beat on him in the lane. Like that was really interesting to watch. Cause like, I, I was kind of wondering like, what are the players like these days that kind of have the same rules against them when players play them? Like, I, I don't know if you can create a set of rules against LeBron or against KD, you know, because they're just so big that it doesn't matter. Like, if, if they're in the air, they can take you on. You know, they have enough body mass behind them. You know, KD maybe not, but he he's gets, he gets high enough, so it doesn't matter. Jordan could soar, but he was small enough that guys could kind of get above him before he got up above them. And... That like it was so interesting to see, you know, before he kind of bulked up a little bit, you know, that there was a way to stop him. But even after he bulked up, he wasn't huge. He was never he never yeah. he never grew to six nine, six ten, like some of these forwards, you know, point forwards that you see these days are. Um, and so he still had to figure it out and it, you know, he definitely got bigger, but it wasn't crazy different. And so I just loved seeing that, you know, the Pistons, we've always known them as the bad boys and, and you know, just these um, rough and tough players from that era. Um, but to see Jordan kind of figure out, okay, I got to find a new way around these guys was, was cool to see. Yeah, yeah I think uh, with a guy, guy like LeBron, LeBron I, just I just think, think his, his mentality, mentality towards contact is completely, completely different. different. Right. Like, like, I think, I think with, with LeBron, LeBron, it's more like, like a, like, like, honestly, how dare you play me physically? Yeah. Like, well, it's also a difference in the game these days, too, because there was a transition somewhere uh, between the late 90s, you know, early 2000s. You still had the Pistons being pretty tough. Um, but then maybe kind of mid 2000s, I guess, then to the mid 2010s where things got soft. And from from all of that, you had defense creating contact to offense creating contact and i'm sure that that happened in some regards and i'm not trying to be like some basketball guru uh, by any means but it was just interesting to see how the the contact was definitely created by defense to kind of send a message whereas these days offense is completely the ones creating contact to say i'm drawing a foul i'm getting to the line and i'm going to be protected by the refs um maybe that was kobe maybe there were other you know players in that era that were dominating that kind of helped bring that about but it is a completely different mindset and game plan um from trying to avoid contact on offense to where you're like i'm just going to get beat up in the lane but i'll still try to find a new way to score to being like no i'm getting in the lane and if they're going to hit me i'm going to get to the line yeah so it's 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 interesting yet another reason it is 
honestly foolish to compare players from different eras. Like, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, like we couldn't, we can't possibly know what a guy like MJ, if he's born in 1990, looks like. Right. You know, we we have no way of po- like well possibly knowing what that what that's going to be because all these guys um, are created out of what they had to go through and the culture and society and all of yeah, that stuff. That's a great point. And like, it's just insane. And so I guess my question is, uh, if the bulls don't have to go through the pistons, are they actually, are they, I feel like they're not as good. I don't know if they win those two, three peats, if they don't have to like really earn it against a really good team that was aging out. Yeah. No, that's a great point. They, they've, they've been fun to kind of, you know, have a little revisionist history about, you know, to kind of go back and, and figure out, you know, did they really have it in them or was it just their time? Um, Cause you're right. There was an aging factor to the Pistons, but I, I, I do think there was a quality of um, this team has been through what they've been through and that there's always a refined by fire piece to a team that wins a championship. You know what? Sometimes it happens in a season, but for, for the bulls it happened within two or three seasons. And so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was, it's, it's cool to kind of look back on it now. Cause I, I do wonder how people viewed it at the time. Is it like, okay, well everyone knew obviously Jordan was generational and he's amazing, but were people doubting him? Um, like some may have doubt, may doubt, you know, rising stars today. I'm sure there's always different narratives going on, but it's, it's fascinating. And I'm, I'm curious what the, what the storylines were like back, back in that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just like, I assume you've seen the bad boys 30 for 30. I've seen a little bit of it. I didn't watch it religiously. That, uh, is, is a great doc. And also, just like I love the '90s uh, stuff that I've seen, uh, documentary-wise, like the Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is so awesome. That's one of my favorites. Um, it's just a, diff- a different time, man. Completely a different. Different time. Um, so, what what did you want to talk about with Phil Jackson? Yeah, I was, I'll hit on a couple of things real quick. Um, the Native American culture that he was so kind of uh interested and 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 kind of involved in i thought that was really interesting i didn't know that about him um he you know also was a product of the the 60s and 70s and 80s and just kind of this like hippie culture that he kind of played through and coached through that he kind of embraced was really cool to see cuz you know I, I i didn't know a ton about phil jackson as a as a player uh, let alone a young coach. Um, I just knew him as the the Lakers coach, you know, in in the 2000s and all that. And so um, that was really cool to see, like, kind of just who he was as a younger person. Um, he was a preacher's kid. I can I can identify with some of that. So that that was funny to see him him uh, point that out. Um, but the the one kind of thought that I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on was, um, I mean. He, he he's the he's the greatest coach ever, right? Like, 
Is is that a claim? Like, I, I and I'm a Celtics fan. Red Auerbach is like you know the 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 guy that I should fight for. But it seems like everyone who has something to say about coaches and in the NBA, Phil Jackson's the guy. He has the most championships. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I I feel like there might be there. I think there's probably a Popovich contingent of people that are probably. On that corner. Bleacher Report had Pop at three, Red Auerbach at two, and Phil Jackson at one when I looked it up. Yeah, I uh, I think to do it, do two three-peats with the Bulls and then to win, I think it was Four, three? three with the Lakers. I can't remember. They won back-to-back in like 01 and 02. Or I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, and then he won one with Kobe later. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... Nine, I guess. I mean that. That is no. It was amazing. more than that because I, I think I counted like ten or eleven because I, I went back and looked, and Auerbach only had the nine in ten years. Um, yeah, so it might have been, and it 10. was more, and it was more than that. So it was at least ten. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I just think that is pretty wild. No, dude, he won. He won two with the Lakers later with Kobe and Powell because he beat the Magic and the Celtics. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so t- like 11 or 12, yeah. Crazy. So, I mean, and I, I'm sure there's people out there who be like, well, you know, he had Michael Jordan and then he had Kobe Bryant. And it's like, you don't get much better than that when it comes to two great players that you get to coach. But at the same time, I the fact that, He's definitely got to be the best ego manager of all time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. That Bulls locker room, like from what we're seeing, had to be about the most contentious place to ever play basketball. Yeah. In a good way sometimes, but also just like when things weren't going well, when you lose two games in a row or something, that didn't seem like it was going to be a fun place to be. Right. Especially he's having to deal with Jerry Krause from the top. Andy's having to deal with Pippin not coming. Andy's having to deal with Rodman needing a vacation, like a week-long binger in Vegas. Right. And it's like, and Michael Jordan, who has got to be one of the tougher guys to coach with good reason. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I think you can't blame Doug Collins for what he was trying to do. Sure, yeah. Before Jackson took over. You know, it's like, you have the best player of all time. You know he's by far the best player you're ever going to coach. You've got to run the offense so that he's happy and so that you're winning, and most of the time those are going to go together. Right. But it took some serious stones from Jackson to come in and be like, look, we're running this offense not because you need to play better, but because these other guys are going to have to score baskets. Right, right. Like, if, if he's... if. Jordan is averaging 37, 38 points a game for a season when the average score of a game is like 85, 90 per game. That is a way too high of a percentage of your team's points. Right. Jordan's having to put up. Yeah, seriously. And so him implementing that, allowing Scottie Pippen to thrive, I think is really huge. Um, because I think Scotty is one of those guys, like, if you... He he's kind of like I think of him like Chris Bosch esque or like Kevin Love esque. That's it's an like, insult. 
That is if a complete insult. No, 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 no. No, he's better than those guys. But, like, I'm thinking of him, like, he can be one of the best, like, the second best guy on a championship team. Sure. Or he can be, like... Clay Thompson. Another, he can be another guy with a great player, and they happen to win, but nobody really acknowledges that he did a lot. Sure. And I okay. think that, has, yeah. that comes down to coaching yeah. and team chemistry. Um, and I think that without Scottie Pippen growing into that role, like Jordan probably ekes out one by himself. Yeah. One or two. Just because he's like, I can score 60 points for four games in a row or something crazy. That's a good point. Um, but I do think that, uh, it's hard to argue against Phil Jackson. I wouldn't try. I'm also not on the level. I, I know Red Auerbach is a legendary coach. I had no very little other than what Bill Simmons has said. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to read. know that I know a lot about those Celtics teams from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, any of that. As much as I, I want to claim myself as a diehard Celtics fan, I grew up in New England, and so that was my team, but I, I haven't done the work to go back all the way into their history. But yeah, no, I mean, from what I'm seeing here and what I knew know of Phil Jackson from when I was getting into the NBA, yeah, I mean, he's... He's he's a legend, and 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 for some reason that was surprising to me. You know, I I knew I, just because I yeah. knew of him in a in a certain light, but I to me it was always just Kobe. Like Kobe's killing my team. Kobe is doing this, and so that was always a challenge for me to kind of reconcile. But but really, Phil Jackson was a, obviously a huge part of all of it, and so it's it's starting to hit me. I was like, wow, this guy really knew what he was doing on a on a lot of different levels. So, yeah. And I kind of think if he doesn't have that stint uh, a couple of years ago with the Knicks, where he was the president of basketball operations, we probably wouldn't even be surprised. We'd be like, Oh yeah, he's totally the best coach of all time. Yeah. But I think the recency bias of he was a like terrible, uh, uh, executive, you know, like yeah. in a horrible organization. Right. Right. I think that probably sullies, and I think no one's going to remember that in 10 years. No, I don't think so either. I think that's a right now we're like, oh, yeah, he was. I remember when he was president of the Knicks two years ago, and that was awful. <laughs> no, that's a thing of the past. It's a thing of the past. Um, the, the last uh, kind of random thought that I that I wanted to throw at you. Um, uh, who do you want to hear more from? in the coming episodes. For me, I have two people, and we got a, a decent amount of him today, Mike Wilbon. I love Mike Wilbon, oh, and love so Wilbon. hearing from him was awesome, but I I mean, I could get... I could If he could just kind of be the, the one of the main voices of the media continually in this series, I'd be thrilled. Um, and then the second guy is Barack Obama. I just love Obama, and I just I just want more Obama takes from the Chicagoan perspective, and uh, I want more bad tags on him being just a Chicago resident. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, those are the two guys that I want to hear more from on this story. Who who, who do you want to hear from? Uh, the first guy that comes to mind is Steve Kerr. Yeah, that's a good I, one. I think. He, in many ways, he his career is like mirroring Phil Jackson's in a really weird way. Yeah, as Jackson I thought was that on too. These Knicks teams that won, and then he was on 
like the coach of these great teams, these di- this dynasty. Yeah. And then now Steve Kerr has gone from being on these great teams. teams that won to being the coach in this dynasty. That's I'm looking a great forward point. to a uh, 70-year-old Steve Kerr really dropping the ball as president of the Knicks. <laughs> but um, Someone yeah. has to do it. I mean, Steve Kerr, man, that dude is a great personality. Absolutely. Like, every time he's on a podcast for me, it's it's a must listen. And uh, I really, really like what he brings to the table. Just, I, I'm so glad that they're doing this 22 years later because these guys are, they're not feeling like, oh, I can't tell that story. Right. You know, they're like, uh, and I'm sure there's things they're still not saying, but I feel tons. like I bet there's if, tons. <laughs> if you if you do this five ten years out, even there's still like a stigma of like, well, I don't want to like out this guy, right? Or blah 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 blah. But I think it now that it's it's so much like a old dudes telling war stories type situation that like over beers. That's how it feels more yeah, than like right. them like giving a. Uh, talking to a reporter right so, yeah I phil mean, jackson I, is spilling the tea on on scotty oh. pippen and how he was feeling about all that and, and even mj is is uh, talking openly about it and so yeah no i i totally agree that it's perfectly timed yeah, yeah. i want to hear um more, more from, from like, like mj contemporaries, contemporaries that played against him. him yeah i know yeah, that, that we saw a lot of the pistons um i want to hear like some charles barkley yeah on. I think that'd be really great. Um, He'll show up eventually. If they can get like Carl Malone and John Stockton on, I want to know, like having lost to them two finals in a row, I want to know if they have like really deep, deep seated like hatred of MJ or if they're able to kind of acknowledge the greatness that they were able to compete against. Right. Uh, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Um, So what am I? I know we're probably wrapping this up. Um, one of the other things I really like, and I think you get, if I ever do a documentary where I'm interviewing multiple people and I'm asking them about each other, I'm going to try this. It's the, <laughs> hey man, I recorded this. Of watch this, this guy. video watch, of this watch, quote. <laughs> <laughs> like handing, handing Michael Jordan an iPad of a video of Isaiah Thomas, like making excuses for the, for the, his behavior. And MJ just like rolling his eyes and being like, yeah, like I bet he says that now. That's great. I, I thought like the same such, thing. Such good reactions. Like I want, I want to get a, uh, someone to come over and be like, Hey man, uh, Devin was talking crap earlier. Like he said this and hand me an iPad that I can. <laughs> you, and you, you can be get... like, Oh yeah, I totally understand why I said that. Cause he's a total jerk. And yeah. <laughs> You will get an honest reaction. This yeah. spur of the moment. Like if I don't have time to think about it. Cause like just watching my face as I'm watching it, like you know how I'm feeling. Right. And that's what I love that they're doing with this. So I thought that was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Whew, I'm looking forward to it the next episode though. Me too. It's getting spicy. Yeah. For some reason it felt like this week was really long. I don't yeah. know why, but it felt like in this world where we consume media, just like gobble, 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 gobble. Yeah. Uh, like if you're watching Too Hot to Handle, you can just like 
grind four episodes in a row did you and did you somehow figure out that i watched seven episodes of that last night like how you, did you, you find that seven? i watched I the whole that. season last night no i didn't know um now <laughs> i know there's people that listen to this podcast and i just want to say me mentioning that i've watched a show does not mean that i'm suggesting that you watch it i'm just saying that i've watched it Yes, I watched four. I watched uh, me and Madeline have been watching it. We've watched four episodes. Caroline and I started it last night, sometime in the early evening, and we went to bed uh, well, well past one a.m. because um, we were like, you know what, we've gone this far. It's a limited series. Let's just finish this thing off. <laughs> so, are you are you finished with it now? Yeah, we watched the whole thing like yesterday. She watched the first episode by herself. I caught up. I didn't even watch the first episode. I just she she caught me up. And we we literally watched the rest of it yesterday. <laughs> I like me and Madeline just watched episodes three and four today, and I was like, "Oh, this like dumb thing is actually kind of working." Where they were like having real connections. There's something beautifully redemptive about it, and I will leave it up to the discretion of the listener and potential viewer to make that decision for themselves. But I I. It's not like the most redemptive thing I've ever watched, but it's not all trash. It's definitely not all perfect, but it's not all trash. (laughs) Yeah, like today I was like, oh my gosh, like these people have never been in a real relationship before. Right. Like this is the first time they've like been around someone without hooking up and like actually talked about their feelings. Right. It was really sweet. It was good. I yeah, I was I was I was happy that there was a little bit more to it than just can you abstain from physical activity. Yeah. Like so I that's I was surprised they, in a good way. <laughs> that's how they get people like us to watch it cuz like we would want to watch it anyways just cuz it's trashy TV and we're into it. Yeah. But the fact that we can now spin it as like this uh it's actually this really has this really beautiful message too. Like, it allows me great. to confess that I've watched it to the, the listeners of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, man. Um, I don't have anything else to say about tonight's episode. I loved it. I'm so excited about this. Do you have so anything? good? No, that, that was, that was really it. I, I've hit all my notes. I think I'm on my, on my computer here. So thanks for having me on again. I, I love doing this. So I, I'm, I'm excited to, keep watching this series and hearing you talk about it. And, uh, it's, it's very good for those of you listeners who are listening to this. I guarantee you've probably also watched the docs, but if you haven't go do it, it's really good. It's, uh, it's needed right now. Yes. It's, it's really hitting. It's hitting like they, like they're showing the dates and it was like, conference final they're going to the conference final against detroit and it was may 15th and i was like oh. that's like right now that's oh. that's what we should be doing it's like the bucks should have already swept the pistons or whoever they yeah. were gonna so yeah man. but uh i'm loving it thank you for coming on the pod man thanks dude to talk to you good to hear from you and, and and i i can see your face on facetime right now so i'm glad to to, to have spent this time with you it's very good oh most definitely man (laughs) thanks see you later peace catch you later good job man good stuff